Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, podcast listeners. Uh, we just had a few questions, uh, people reaching out, wondering where where we're going to be speaking, what we're going to be doing, what are the project or projects or products we're offering. If um, if you just head to www.thevitalityshift.com, that's kind of our home base to everything. Um, we also have a free download on how to improve your attention in the life model. Uh, if you'd like to just, all you got to do is put your email address in there. And um, yeah, so just check us out at www.thevitalityshift.com, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and uh, today I get to head way out east to Nova Scotia to interview our next guest for today. Uh, this chiropractor, he was a graduate of CMCC from uh, 2008. Uh, he got involved in politics right away, so we want to get a little bit into that because we always want to inspire people to get involved in the profession. And um, I'm super, and he's also president of the Nova Scotia Chiropractic Association. And I'm super excited to introduce Dr. Chad McKediak to the call. You got it. You got it, Don. Oh, I finally said one right. <laughs> I practiced that and I was like, oh, I think I might have said it wrong, but it was good. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Th uh, thanks for having me on, Don. Uh, I'm excited to chat and uh, I really appreciate you providing this resource. So uh, uh, happy to be included. That's cool, and I'm I'm super excited to interview someone who's involved in politics that understands uh, our our brand of chiropractic. So I'm pretty pumped about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, that's a minority. Yeah, I know, I know. That's why we'll we're trying to inspire more people to do it. So that's why we'll this will be like your uh, you can be the coach to everybody out there. Get involved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll see how many we can rally. Okay, cool. So, um, like I, I start all my podcasts with is is how did you even figure out about this profession in the first place? Uh, yeah, so um, I guess as a child, you know, I was always interested in health and played a lot of sports. I was very active. Um, I, I didn't come from an immediate chiropractic background. I, I did have an uncle who's a chiropractor who practiced in uh, British Columbia, but we didn't see each other a lot. I grew up in Saskatchewan, so uh, yeah, used neighbors. Be, yeah, used to be neighbors to you, and, and until I uh, moved out east. But uh, so I didn't really grow up in a chiropractic family. Uh, but my parents uh, and, and my parents didn't really have much knowledge on health and wellness, but they always, they always encouraged me to stay active and always supported me when I was playing sports and making healthy choices and, and all that kind of stuff. So that really led me uh, to pursue uh, kinesiology and health studies in university. And I guess it was there that I really fell in love with anatomy and, and even more so physiology. I, just, I loved human physiology and also exercise physiology because it just made so much sense to me. And it was my first real exposure to the natural intelligence that our body has, you know, to self-heal, self-regulate. And, uh, you know, of course, I get that experience every day now. But back in those days, it was a true eye-opener for me. And uh, I just loved it. It was all amazing. Everything had a reason. Like, our bodies were constantly adapting. And, you know, if you read any physiology textbooks or you take any courses in, in human physiology, you should immediately understand uh, and be in awe at how credible our systems are at adapting to the environment. So that's what really sparked my interest. And then, you know, I had my own chiropractic experience. I had a neck injury uh, playing rugby, and I went to I went to a chiropractor, and uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, he adjusted me. And then 
not only did my neck injury go away, but uh, you know what I'm about to say next, you know, a bunch of other stuff changed for me. Uh, you know, I just, uh, yeah. I started sleeping better. I started concentrating better. Uh, I felt that there was, you know, far reaching effects. And I asked him to explain what the heck he was doing to me. And, and, and that also, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, sparked uh, my interest further. So from there, I said, okay, I got to connect with my uncle, go out to BC, observe his practice. And uh, basically, after I did that and asked him a ton of stuff and observed the, the type of practice he had, the rest was uh, kind of history there. That's cool. Where in BC was he? So he's practicing in Coquitlam, uh, BC. Oh, yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. That's nice. So, um, so this is when you're in university taking kinesiology, right? When you yeah, can... exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My undergrad in kinesiology. Cause I didn't know, like, I just wanted to go into health, right? right. I didn't know if I was going to go, like, I didn't have a idea about, uh, the different, um, you know, types of healthcare or anything. I just said, listen, I, I'm interested in health. Uh, so let, let's do this and then I can decide where I want to go. Cool. That's cool. So you decide I'm going to be a chiropractor. And, uh, and so, uh, how did you pick your school? Uh, yeah, like a lot of others I've heard on your podcast, I was a Canadian and I'm like, yeah. Oh, there's a school in Canada. Right. Uh, and you know, I mean, looking back on it, I, I mean, for such an important thing, you're going into your professional program, really, you should, you know, I should have done more, more diligence on that. And, and, and uh, you know, not just pick my school based on location, but again, when, when you don't, understand the landscape of chiropractic as well you just you know pick what's logical and to me the most logical thing was to just stay in Canada for you know the cost and yeah and, you know I just it was scary to go into the states or overseas right so yeah. I just said well you know I'll, I'll just go to Toronto what's the difference <laughs> that's cool so so you go to uh, CMCC and um and so and and so like really before you went into chiropractic college um how, how was your, was your knowledge about chiropractic pretty vitalistic or was it, what, what, what did you think chiropractic was kind of before you went in? Did you kind of have a good grasp of what it was? Well, I had from my own experience and, and uh, then going to visit my uncle's practice, I, I, I did have uh, some exposure uh, to chiropractic, you know, just beyond a strict pain-based model because, you know, <clears throat> when I was at my uncle's practice, he's a Gonstead practitioner and, and uh, you know, I was able to observe and, and go around and, and, you know, and the patients are all telling me, Oh, your uncle's helping me so much. And this is helping and that's helping. And of course I'm going, well, wh why, like, why is that affected by chiropractic? What is that? You know, he's adjusting you. Why are you saying that, you know, you have these other beneficial effects happening uh, to you as well. Uh, and you feel just overall that your life has improved. Uh, and uh, he was so busy and I was like, wow, geez, you're so popular, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, he had been in practice for many years at that time, but geez, I mean, I, it was an eye opener for sure. But, um, you know, it was still limited exposure, even though you, you get a sense of that, uh, you know, you, you st I still didn't have like a firm grasp on, on philosophy, uh, you know, of chiropractic or, or, or health or anything like that going into CMCC. So I still somewhat of an open book, but certainly my eyes were opened uh, at least a little bit. Cool. So, so you go to CMC and then, and how, how was that experience? Yeah. I mean, you know, I enjoyed CMCC while I was there. Um, you know, uh, certainly, um, you know, the basics of, uh, you know, learning extension of my undergrad with, uh, you know, all the sciences and, and all that kind of stuff was good. Um, you know, I guess, um, you know, I came out of CMCC though, operating in, you know, much more of what you'd call a, a mechanistic model or, uh, what you might call a physical therapy model of practice. Uh, and so that was the one thing where I, you know, I really feel like 
maybe throughout that education, I kind of lost a little bit of my respect or my um, uh, uh, appreciation for the physiology and in the intelligence of the body that I fell in love with when I was an undergrad because, you know, the, the style of practice I was learning and absorbing through school, you know, didn't really encourage that side of things. You know, it, it, right. was, it was more like, I'm the doctor, I'm fixing everybody. And I kind of bought into that. Um, so, you know, coming out of school, I think that, uh, you know, even though I, I had that start where it was more maybe on the uh, uh, holistic or, or vitalistic side of the spectrum, uh, you know, I, I kind of went the other way uh, following school for a while. Right. And when was there any time where um, you kind of felt like, uh, did it ever feel like conflicted or anything or felt like your initial views you shouldn't have had? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was weird because, you know, it's like, uh, you know, because even um, even talking uh, to, to my uncle or, or other chiropractors I had met, you know, and I, I was still a student or, or just newly graduated. And, you know, some of the things they were saying were, kind of in conflict to what I was learning and, and how I've been trained. And, you know, it, it is, it's conflicting because you're going, well, you're a field practitioner. You obviously have some experience, but then, you know, um, there were certain, uh, certain people at CMCC that were telling me, well, you know, you shouldn't listen to, to, to those people because X, Y, Z, and, and, you know, they're not practicing in a, in a way that's, uh, you know, ethical or, or science-based or, or something like that. And, and I just said, well, you know, now, now I have a conflict because, you know, I, I want to be a good practitioner. I want to be ethical. I want to be, you know, yeah. the best I can be. Right. And so, but then all of a sudden you're going, well, I really admire and trust some of these other practitioners too. So it, it is a bit of a conflict and I, I see why students can get confused. Yeah. It's, it's tough because again, and you, no matter what, when you're in school, you always look up to your professors, right? And so they do have a massive influence on you. And so I know that when you know something and then they're telling you something else and, and you come out, it, it, I do, I do feel, I feel for the, the new grads and the, the young doctors out there because it's, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, and I certainly felt that as well. So you graduate from CMCC and then how did you decide to go to uh, Nova Scotia? Uh, so I met my chiropractic sweetheart, Dr. Megan, uh, in my class. <laughs> Those darn women, eh? They make you move everywhere. Oh man. You know, she just... <laughs> You know, uh, so it's funny because, you know, she was doing the thing where like she was acting like she was super open to whatever because, you know, she didn't want to make a demand. Right. Because right. She's like, but, I'll go where you want. Not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wherever you want, honey, uh, except for, you know, you better come out here. No, it, I mean, it, it wasn't like that, but I, I was open for a new adventure and, and she had a lot of family support uh, back in Nova Scotia. So I said, OK, great. I, I'm up for it. Let's do it. Cool. So you, you move out there. And so, um, and so she, was she in your class? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in the same class. Oh, that's awesome. So, okay. So you go out there and you move and how did you guys start out in practice? Did you guys yeah. open right off the bat or did, what did you happen? Well, this is, yeah. So it was, we had quite a roller coaster. So off the start, uh, we were about to buy a practice and, um, we were down and we were orchestrating this from during our fourth year at CMCC. And, uh, we had, it was a well-established practice. We had everything sort of uh, sorted out and it took us, you know, in our spare time, pretty much the whole year, uh, you know, while we were still in Toronto to visit and communicate and get it all set up. And at the last minute, uh, we hadn't gotten our licenses yet because it was the summertime after graduation, but, but we were in Nova Scotia. Uh, but at the last minute, you know, uh, they, they weren't responding, weren't responding. And all of a sudden we get this email saying that they're basically pulling out and, and really all they had to do was sign the documents. Like we had financing, we had 
everything. We were going to live there. There was a house too. Like everything was set up. Oh, wow. And at, at the last moment they, they pulled out and, uh, you know, uh, they had reasons of family reasons and, and, you know, other things, but, uh, it was kind of a heartbreaker because we had poured everything we thought we were for sure going in and, and taking over this practice. Um, oh. yeah. So, uh, so then we just kind of took a couple of weeks to, to regroup and figure out what we were going to do. And, uh, uh, it was then we decided, uh, to, uh, start our own practice. Um, uh, so, you know, we thought that was a good idea, even though we had uh, basically no connections and, uh, no experience running a business. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, so, <laughs> but you have lots over, of energy, right. And lots of, uh, uh, persistence. <laughs> oh, sure. We were excited, you know? <laughs> so, so yeah, so we, we decided to do that. And so did you just pick a town? Like what, what town do you live in? Yeah. So well, our practice is in uh, upper Tantalan, which is a, a suburb of Halifax. So Halifax is, you know, kind of divided up, uh, you know, there's the main part, but then there's a lot of uh, uh, suburbs, like smaller uh, little uh, communities that are on the outskirts. Yeah. Um, so we're really close to, to Halifax, but you know, there's, there's smaller communities. So we, we live there and uh, practice out there as well. Cool. So you just like, just look for, uh, did you, are you guys in a strip mall or how, what's your location? Yeah. So, so there's the other fun stuff. So we started off in this uh, newer subdivision where uh, a commercial space was supposed to be developed. And um, so we were there for a little bit. It was a, a, a big building and, and everything was great. And uh, we were dealing with these developers and then, uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, the developers started acting a little bit, uh, you know, uh, strange and, and, uh, they weren't getting things done the way they were supposed to and getting permits, uh, you know, uh, uh brought to the city and all, all these, there's a big long story and I won't go into it, but essentially what ended up happening was these developers turned out to be a bit of shady individuals and, uh, uh, they ended up, um, uh, shuffling money around, uh, between corporations uh, claiming bankruptcy and basically leaving us out and uh, uh, lost a huge deposit and all that kind of stuff as well. Oh, geez. Uh, so yeah, it was a big, it was a big blow. And at the same time, I mean, like, you know, we're still trying to get our practice started and, and, and practicing in that, that uh, physical therapy model of practice as well. I mean, you know, I was having struggles. I mean, you know, like my, I felt like my philosophy wasn't really uh, congruent with, you know, like my practice wasn't congruent with my lifestyle. I, I had a scarcity mentality for sure. Like I wasn't listening to advice from other chiropractors that could have helped me. Uh, I was too much of a people pleaser. Like, you know, the, a bunch of stuff is going on. And I think this was just the pinnacle of it where we also had to uh, suddenly like vacate this, this practice because, you know, uh, we had another, we had a dentist next door and he got locked out of his practice because these developers were just going crazy and, and doing weird stuff. Oh, geez. So yeah, it was, it was quite a time. And so, so then, so did you, then you just, you, then, then did you find a nice place like that you could rent or something? After that? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we recovered from that and, uh, and we had a temporary spot, but then we, we found another suitable spot and, and that's the place we're in today. Uh, which is about seven years later. And uh, so we've definitely uh, recovered and we're in a great spot now and, it, and it's all good. And we don't have any of those issues anymore. <laughs> that's because that's tough. Eh? You're just like getting out of school and you're going to start and you get one disappointment. Then you get another disappointment plus a financial hit too. And that's tough to take a financial hit when you're already like all student loaned up and don't yeah. have any money. Yeah, we didn't have any money and we, we pretty much lost all the money that, that we did have. And it was kind of like one of those situations where, um, you know, you could chase them for it legally, but 
you know, that would have cost you just as much to, to recover, you know, even though it was, yeah. a, you know, a good size of money, but you just, you're not going to put your time, energy and, and more money that you don't have into it. Right. And, uh, you know, you got to get on with it. You have to, you have to uh, look to the, towards the future. Yeah. And then again, that's happened to me too, where we lost a huge amount of money and you, and you had an option, like there's a group of us and there's a group of chiropractors, lots of money. And part of them all went in and, and, and went after that person with a lawyer. And I just decided, I'm like, Nope, I just want to, I'm like learning, learn that lesson. Yep. And let's put a hundred percent of my focus on recovering that in my own, like in our own model or in our own purpose. Right. And so I think that's a, that's a pretty good lesson. Um, where you hear a lot, often lawyers will say the only one who's going to win out of this is me. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> and that, and that's true. I, I think in a lot of cases, uh, and, and it's not even just the strict financial, but you know, it, Don, it's your energy and it's your, uh, what you're focusing on all day long. If you're focusing on that kind of stuff, it, it doesn't make for a very happy life. No, no, totally. So, okay. So you finally get to your place now, start, start, starting from zero. Well, you guys really started from zero too, because you didn't really have any contacts or anything. And you never even probably had been there hardly before. <laughs> yeah, but only a couple times to visit. Yeah, so what? It, you know, this will help chiropractors out there that need to boost their practice or just starting. Like, what, what did you do when you started from zero to kind of get your name out there? Yeah, so we 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 networked as much as we can with uh, uh, you know local groups. I mean, you know, I joined whatever uh, networking type of groups I could, and we we did advert we did advertise a lot. I mean, we we put out uh, stuff in our local papers, and we sent out uh, you know flyers and things to our local community and. You know, we just did whatever we could to try and make make some uh, connections there, and you know, uh, and then it just it, it did start to to snowball after a while. I mean, when we moved, of course, we lost a bunch of, of people, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was but it was rough off the start, and and I think all the more reason you need to get clear on 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 how you want to practice and and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, for the first year, I, I paid money to to keep my my practice open. Not yeah. Not only did I not get paid, but I paid money uh, to to keep my practice open. So I mean, I know that's a depressing, <laughs> you know, thing to hear. But I also started from scratch. I mean, I didn't associate, I didn't do an associateship with anybody. Uh, we just started right from zero, and I, I'm not uh, necessarily recommending that. I mean, it's it's great now. I'm so glad we have our own practice now. Uh, but there are better ways to do it. And, and uh, if I had to do it again, uh, I would strongly consider. Uh, you know, working for somebody else that I, I admired and respected and, and maybe doing an offshoot after that. Yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit tough because not only you just first build, but then you have to rebuild again before you really build in the first place, right? So you had to like do, do two rebuilds. Yeah, it's just all rebuilding. <laughs> so at what point did you um, start to line up your philosophy more with your practice? Like, or, or how, how about when was the first time where you really had that realization that you said, you know what, I got I to gotta do something different? So it was around that time where we, we had to move practices and, you know, I, I was filling in for some other chiropractors and, and traveling around and, you know, uh, and just exhausted, you know, working a lot of different places and my own practice was still kind of struggling a little bit. And I wasn't, I was getting results, but, you know, I wasn't getting the type of results that, you know, some of the other chiropractors I talked to were getting and that kind of irked me. And I was like, listen, I'm a smart guy. I can do this. I don't know why, you know, some of these guys are getting such tremendous results. And, you know, so then for me, I remember one sort of defining moment. Uh, I was driving home and it was late at night. I just finished at, at another office that I was filling in for. And uh, there was a chiropractor, uh, you know, a few months before that had given me some uh, um, 
CDs, you know, nobody listens to CDs in their car anymore, but, uh, you know, it was a CD and, uh, uh, and he said, listen, you know, you're, you're not really listening to anything I have to say. And I get it. You think, you know, everything, but (laughs) that's hilarious. Yeah, but it was true. And that's the way I came out of school kind of right. And, uh, uh, and then, so he said, just listen to some of this stuff. And, uh, of course the CDs I just put in my, my car and I didn't listen to them at all. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm just going to listen and actually listen with an open mind. And the first person that came on was a recording from Dr. Uh, James Chestnut. And ah. the way he described uh, chiropractic in a more uh, salutogenic model, if you want to call that, or, or health-promoting model, and yeah. how he described the subluxation and all that stuff, it all started kind of flooding back to me. I, 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 I kind of said, wow, this, this is actually making sense to me. Whereas right out of CMCC, I was kind of dismissing all that because of you know, the, the way things went for me, but I started actually listening with an open mind for once and things started clicking. And I started thinking back to those days where I was just enthralled with human physiology and the power of the body and, and all that stuff. And it started really clicking for me. And then of course I listened to another and another and another. And after a while I started going, man, I'm messing this up. I'm not doing, you know, the I'm not being the best practitioner I can be for my patients or myself or my family or anything like that. I need to start changing a little bit here. And then one realization uh, led to another. And then uh, within a couple of years, uh, our practice looked totally different. Wow. And so what, what would you, what would you maybe just kind of summarize into a couple, couple of big shit. What, what were the couple of shifts that you made in your practice to kind of get more aligned to your, uh, to the philosophy? Yeah. So, I mean, I started uh, seeing people, uh, seeing patients more on a, um, on a wellness basis, uh, you know, ongoing care, not just pain-based type of care. Yeah. Uh, and the results of course became uh, immediately apparent, uh, that way. Um, I, I stopped chasing pain. So like before I had, you know, I was doing a bunch of other stuff. I was doing a lot of, um, you know, uh, I had some modalities in my practice. I was doing laser therapy and I was doing acupuncture because I did that as well. You know, I took this medical acupuncture course. So I was doing that yeah. and I was doing some soft, I was chasing pain and I was trying to help in any way I could. Right. You know, I was right, just, totally. just trying to be the best doctor I can be. And, and, you know, I was getting results, but I wasn't getting the same type of results that I got after I started shifting. And when I shifted, I focused more on the adjustment and the mm-hmm. power of chiropractic and my intention with that and how I was caring for people and how long I was caring for people and what age groups I was caring for. And uh, so, for instance, another shift I made was I went from basically 0% kids in my practice to about 20 or 25% kids in my practice. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, and that was, uh, that was a, a, you know, an eye-opener for me. And, and it was congruent with us at the time because we were having all of our kids during that time as well. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I always say it's just like whatever you're doing in your life that increases your focus on that, right? Just like we, uh, me and Brandy got a dog seven years ago and I never was interested in adjusting animals ever Yeah. until you get a dog and then you're like, Hey, I got, I got to learn more about how to adjust animals. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's the same for us. It's, and, uh, you know, I started getting rid of the incongruencies. So, you know, Megan and I were adjusting, checking and adjusting each other on a regular basis, but I wasn't recommending that to my patients. Right. You know, at the time, yeah, Yeah, and I I said, why am I not doing this? Because, uh, you know, her and I were understanding the benefits, even if we weren't directly communicating that uh, to each other or to to anybody else. We just knew that that was a good thing to do, even if 
we weren't presenting with a, a specific complaint. Right. So, you know, we, we started cleaning all that up and, uh, you know, it just started to snowball after that. And, and the feedback we got and the results we started getting and uh, our practice just started to grow and grow. And, and uh, it, it really turned a corner after that. And, and uh, I just felt like I was practicing in a way that was more congruent, that more aligned with my values. And it just got easier. I was getting busier, but it was getting easier. Right. Yeah, kind of like everything gets more efficient and you're not being pulled in all different directions because that's exhausting, right? When what you think in your mind is one way and what you're actually doing is another way and it's just that internal conflict is exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. And so as soon as you get rid of that, it's just, it's more ease. It just feels better. And, and uh, you, you feel like you're more free to uh, practice uh, the way you feel is appropriate. And, and uh, it, it was great. So another thing that you did right off the bat is you, you mentioned is that you actually got into politics right away. Cause it's funny. I, I initially wanted to get into politics before I grew my practice and actually the, the president at the time uh, at the, for the college of chiropractors of Alberta had said, you know what, go and grow your practice first. And thank you for participating. And, and again, at the time we did have really good leadership in here, which you knew things were looked after good. So that was good. But, um, but tell me a little bit about you getting involved right away in politics. That's, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it wasn't my intention, but uh, one of our uh, board members asked uh, Megan and myself to help out with a, a project. Uh, it was on animal chiropractic and, uh, you know, just doing some background research to assist the board and, you know, help out. And a little did I know that that was just a, a, a way to try and get us involved, you know, just do a <laughs> they're project. trying to get hooked. <laughs> yeah. And then so, of course, they after that, you know oh, you did such a good job on that project. Uh, why don't you run for a position and just an entry level position on, on our board? And, and I said, okay, why not? Uh, you know, I, I'd love to get involved. And uh, so I did that and uh, that got me started. So I've sat on our regulatory board in Nova Scotia for eight years. And then uh, after that was done uh, two years, uh, for the past two years, I, I've been the president of our uh, council, which is like our association side of, of, of our uh, organization that's cool now tell tell me a little and again this would be for people who uh, i know a lot of chiropractors out there might want to get involved in politics but they feel kind of nervous because they've never done anything never sat on a board uh what, what kind of advice would you have for for any of those people who want to get involved yeah just do it and and start figuring it out as you go along mm -hmm. you, you you don't need to know all this all the it, people get scared about the ins and outs of uh how to run meetings or or properly participate. All the logistics to me is, is a lot of the barrier. It's scary, right? You think, oh, yeah. it's, it's politics and you got to deal with government or you have to deal with uh, insurance companies or other things like that or disciplinary matters. And the fact is, you know, the, the older, more experienced board members will help you understand the current issues, what's going on, the proper way to conduct meetings and things like that. So don't be scared of the, the unknown and the logistics. Just if you feel like you have, uh, a voice that needs to be heard or you feel like you can contribute, then just start volunteering your time, uh, even just working on committees and then working your way up to, you know, working, uh, you know, on boards or, or, or associations because we, you know, it's a, it's a, it really is a privilege to be self-regulating. And, and we see this nowadays where, you know, in other jurisdictions, we're having rights taken away from us and it really is a privilege and we need to honor that. And, and we need people to participate because I know, uh, you know, in every um, province or state, it, it's usually some of the same people that are, are, are involved constantly, but it would be nice to get different perspectives and have more involvement from the, from the profession because 
we, we owe that to the profession. If it's been good to you, then, you know, uh, uh, pay it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now, um, and then this is another thing too, is that there's some, uh, people in the past who've gone in and, and, and when maybe if they're more on the vitalistic spectrum or, or knowledge of chiropractic and, uh, and they come into politics and they, and they deal with a totally opposite view of politics and they're sitting on boards and, and I've, I've heard of many who have like, it's tanked their practice. It's, it's stressed them out. It's actually, they've lost their health and then they become resentful and then they don't even want to be involved anymore. And they get kind of tainted for the profession. How, how do you do that when you're sitting around the table with a bunch of different people who have different ideas with you, ideas than you, and how do you kind of keep strong and, and not let it affect you so bad? That's a good question. And I think it's the, I went through a similar experience in my practice, uh, you know, that, that would be helpful in this regard. When I was practicing in my first model, I was, it was very draining because I attached myself to everybody's problems and I got personally wrapped up in the highs and the lows of uh, pain focused care and, and everybody else's emotions. And I took that home and I internalized that. Right. Right. And when I, I switched, you know, my, a bit of my approach in practice, I, uh, focused on what I can do and being the best at what I'm doing and uh, didn't uh, absorb and, and take home as much of that. And uh, it's the same with politics. You're going to, if especially if, if you're uh, more on the uh, uh, vitalistic side of the spectrum uh, with your ideas, you will encounter some resistance to that. Uh, yeah. No, no doubt. And there, you just have to be personally strong and, and you have to um, you have to be thinking of what's best for the chiropractors that you're representing. You have to think about what's best for your patients, the end user of chiropractic. Yeah. And you have to do what's right over uh, anything. And you just have to stay true to that and understand that, you know, there are people supporting you and it may not be necessarily all the people you interact with at that level but you represent a lot of uh, practitioners, but more importantly, patients who deserve to get the, the type of care that, that they need. Totally. And then when you know what we know and we know, we know what the results is, it is in the best interest of the public to be, right. to at least have this as an option uh, for them in their healthcare, right? Because a lot, a lot of times if some people get their way, this won't even be an option. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, and that's, that's what drives me is, uh, you know, it's just a greater purpose with that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't, you can, you can call me names or, or do whatever you want and say whatever you want about me. Uh, but I, I'm, I feel strongly in that because I've had experiences and I've talked with so many other chiropractors that, uh, you know, that, that stuff doesn't deter me anymore because I feel like, you know, uh, the purpose is larger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get frustrated. A lot of chiropractors out there get frustrated because they don't feel like they are getting represented um, at all by their leadership. And so the odd person that is, uh, I know they appreciate that. So I'll thank you on everybody's behalf. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, I, we, we need, we need more involvement uh, always. And I hope, uh, I hope that, uh, you know, we can stimulate some people wanting to participate. That's cool. Now, um, if you were to, to, to be able to be the quarterback of the movement to uh, get neurologically based chiropractic more moving, what, what, would, what would you say would be the next steps that would need to happen? Well, uh, I mean, I think there's a few things. Uh, you know, number one, we need to, uh, 
there's one thing that we need to get clear on, and I think that it's um, uh, respecting the uniqueness of chiropractic. Um, you know what? So I mean, I think I think ultimately we need to be easier on each other overall, and and we we need to realize that there is room for a spectrum of care, and and we all need to find our place within it. You know, and and the fact is, Don, that that chiropractors get results across the board in almost any style of practice, which, which ultimately benefits the patient. So we yep. should all be happy about that, first totally. of all. Um, but what I can't seem to get behind is redefining the profession to the point of taking away its defining characteristics. So in, in my opinion, there's two major defining characteristics uh, of chiropractic, and that's number one, the chiropractic adjustment, and number two, the fact that we're a drugless profession. Right. If, if, you know, let's not debate about technique or uh, other approaches uh, that you use in your office, but if we could all agree on a couple things, I, I think that those two things really need to be um, at the center because that really supports our paradigm of inside-out healing and, and it, what's make, it makes us different from medicine. Right. And if we don't have those defining characteristics, then we really need to examine whether chiropractic should exist or not. Uh, and I'm, I don't mean to say that in a facetious way, but, you know, really, like if, if we are doing physical therapy or medicine, then we should just be absorbed into that system because it's easier. It's more right. efficient. And, you know, I, I know from the stats that I've seen, it's still, from, from at least what I've seen, a minority of the profession that wants prescription drugs in, into the profession. But it's kind of alarming when I, I hear about some of the percentage, the percentages in certain regions of practitioners that don't adjust the spine at all. Um, because again, I, I think that needs to be a centerpiece uh, right. of, of chiropractic. I mean, I'm not saying there isn't room for some other stuff, but I, I really feel that, that, that those two things need to be the center and we need to focus on that uh, in, in politics. And we need to uh, you know, uh, look at research that supports that and our paradigm and what makes chiropractic unique. I mean, you know, compared to to other professions that exist, like it would be crazy to make a shift, uh, like away from the the defining characteristics. So, like, you know, if you hired a plumber or for your house, like you would probably accept a variety of different plumbing techniques or strategies, right? But as long as the work was effective, right? Okay? Like, you don't care about the what he uses really. But if the plumber showed up and he said that, you know, he's the type of plumber that does electrical work, uh, you would probably be confused, right? And right. you know, you. <laughs> you you just you you kind of you know you have somebody else for that right and especially if the plumber was only doing kind of good electrical work you might not walk away with the best experience so uh, even though you could get some positive results for your house so I kind of view it in a similar way like uh, you know I think that there's definitely a spectrum uh, of care and chiropractic but we need to anchor to some defining characteristics and certainly we cannot limit those defining characteristics. And, and that's some of the problems I've had in the, in the political arena is that, you know, uh, I, I don't, I, I, I'm very open-minded, but when you start talking about limiting uh, those things, I mean, then it, it really begs the question, why do we have chiropractic at all? Right. Totally. You know, so, uh, I mean, that, that's kind of my viewpoint on it. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, I know that, you know, when uh, it gets into a larger conversation, but I know like what happens, uh, from talking to some younger practitioners, and certainly it was my experience, uh, you know, when a chiropractor talks about being evidence-based or evidence-informed, many times they're throwing out those terms, but what they really mean is that 
they're just pro science and and they just they don't want to be labeled as fringe or crazy or a quack uh, right. and, and that and that's really a lot of where it's coming from and and I know it's coming that way because if you if you were examining a lot of practices uh, that that they're really uh, promoting that they're evidence-based they're evidence-informed practitioners they're, they're not doing a lot of stuff that is supported by the literature um, but, but that's okay because, you know, evidence-informed practice is not just relying on high-level RCTs and, and things like that because if, if you went by that standard, you basically can't do anything in practice. Right. Uh, but instead, evidence-informed practice is a three-legged stool that's composed of not only the available research but practitioner experience and patient preference. So you don't need to conclusively uh, prove everything you do beyond a reasonable doubt, uh, nor could you ever expect to do that because the body simply doesn't work that way. And certainly in politics, we cannot be setting these bars uh, that are so high that are just unattainable because you have to apply these policies to everything it is we do. And so, you know, I, I think that's where I get a little bit antsy about, about some of the things that happen in politics when I see policies being made that really are, 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 are going to hurt the profession and, and not in just the way that it's uh, you know, intended, but it's going to have other unintended consequences. Yes, I think that's a that's a huge thing. And then I know we also get a challenge. We get a challenge sometimes is when we ask leadership, well, what evidence would you accept, um, or what 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 are the criteria to have acceptable evidence? And then they kind of look blank stares. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, they, I, because they say there's no research to support your style of care, but then they never they never say what would be what would be acceptable right it's almost seems like they just say well if it's anything on the anything besides the back pain it's just not it's not credible evidence yeah and i mean again it depending on where you set the bar even the the so-called slam dunk uh things like uh neck pain and, and low back pain the evidence is is uh you know moderate at, at best to support some of the the the, the practice models there mm -hmm. um you know, you talk to researchers, they'll, they'll confirm this. And I mean, again, it's just because if we're studying the body in such a mechanistic way, and, and that's the only way we accept uh, research, you're just heading down. A, it's like a slippery slope because that logic can be used against us. So it, it can be used against strict MSK only uh, conditions, just like it would more, uh, you know, vitalistic styles of, of practice. Great. Well, and, and I think we, we, we talk, talk about this often. Brandy always talks about this often too, is you can have 10 people lined up that have the same thing. They could have L5 that's rotated to the right. <laughs> yes. And, and all of them experience it differently. And so if all of our research is based off on only how they experience it, like you're kind of screwed because every single person reacts to an injury differently and everybody reacts to a, a, a treatment or a modality or, or an adjustment differently as well. And, and so I think it's, that's why I think it's so tough to, to measure those things. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're, you're spot on or, or Brandy's right, you know, and, uh, and also who, who's a, who's a healthy control these days? I mean, who's, who's the control group? Like, are you, are you assuming that all the people who aren't getting the, the, um, uh, the, the adjustment, are in you know the same exact health or, or the people that are receiving the adjustment and if you're doing a randomized trial they they are in the same health like there there's so many variables that go into our health and and how we respond uh, to care that you know there's it's really hard to control all the variables in a human being and, and and again if you just 
if you just understand human physiology and, and the need for our body to constantly adapt, it, it's easy to understand why it's, it's really hard to, to totally just rely on, on, on randomized trials like this. I, I'm not saying we shouldn't attempt it, but I, I just said that if we start jumping the gun and making policies that hold us to a certain standard, I mean, we're, we're really getting ahead of ourselves and we're, we're creating a situation where it's just impossible to uh, attain those levels. Well, I think it also stops all innovation. It immediately puts innovation of chiropractic to a grinding halt because you can't even try anything new unless it's already been proven. So it basically takes all innovation, stops all progress, basically puts a stick in it. It's done. Yeah. Yeah, correct. And, uh, you know, uh, also a good point that, that many don't understand is that other professions aren't also holding themselves to ridiculously high standards. I, I don't know if we have just a thing in chiropractic where we just have to, uh, it's not, it's not okay. We just have to keep proving ourselves and proving ourselves. And maybe that's because we've always been sort of that outlier a little bit, you know, or we're not traditional medicine We're we're all, we're always that one that's being challenged and we're always the underdog. We're always, yeah, exactly. Right. It's your Hence podcast. The name of the podcast, baby. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's perfect because we're always the underdog. So I don't know if that's just stimulated this need to constantly defend, but with, with some of the, the meetings I, I've been in with government, um, you know, I was with some high-level uh, uh, government officials one time, and one of the first things, and this was unprovoked, one of the first things that that government uh, official said to me was, you know, Chad, there's really not a lot of evidence uh, to support most of the procedures we do in medicine. And, and I just, my jaw was just open, and everybody else in the room, like from the chiropractic association that were there, I think there's three of us, we're all just like, uh, we, we didn't even know what to say, right? But it, it was such a, you know, because the, the, the talk we were going to have, you know, was about evidence and how it relates to, to chiropractic and, you know, in different populations and stuff. But when, when that person just came out and said that, it was, you know, you just go, well, then why are we bending over backwards? And again, this is not to say that we should yeah. not strive for as much research as possible. We are not anti-science. We're not anti-science, <laughs> certainly not. But you, you got you can't go the other extreme, right? Like you can't just say that you know because you don't have conclusive evidence that you're anti-science and you're just doing whatever you want and and you're not interested in science and all that kind of thing. That that is extremism. Like you're, you're going way far off the other side of it. Right. Totally. And then too, we, we also talk about, they throw dogma back and forth, back, like back and forth a lot. And they talk about vitalistic chiropractors a lot of times and they say it's basically dogma. Um, but if you are an evidence-based person and you refuse to look at any other views, that's dogma as well. Yeah. And, and absolutely. Like, you know, if you're truly uh, evidence uh, informed practitioner, then you would be open-minded to anything that comes out there. Uh, and uh, you know, so I, I think that, you know, we need to continue to build research as much as possible. And there's some great stuff coming out. But, uh, you know, at a base level, we need on a political level, I really feel like we need to first uh, say, okay, well, first of all, is what we're doing safe, you know, across the board? Yeah. That's number one. Is it safe for the public, which I think we can uh, conclude at this point that uh, by and large, it is. And then, you know, build from there and say, it's okay to not have uh, conclusive evidence. But as a student, I get it. You, you just, you, you have this mentality that you, you, you want everything to just be recipe and cookie cutter and you want it to all be conclusive so that you're nicely just within the, 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 
manicured garden practicing in this utopia. And that, these guidelines, you know, they're perfectly designed for everything. Oh yeah, and the guide and, and guidelines, and so, <laughs> and it's tough because when you've been practicing for a while, like you have, you understand that you, you see a guideline that's that's you know evidence informed, and and then you may have the exact opposite uh, experience in practice of what that guideline says. Yeah, exactly. But that's the whole point about evidence informed practice that it, it isn't just uh, the research studies. It's what you experience in clinical practice, which is very valuable, and what your patients experience and their preferences and all that kind of stuff. And and that stuff needs to not be discounted. And that's what worries me when we get into some of these policies that we make sometimes. Uh, we're, we're not respecting the patient's right to access the safe and effective type of chiropractic care that they want. Uh, and, uh, you know, once we start limiting that, uh, I think we're really going down the wrong path. We always use the analogy of as much as we'd like to, we're not making muffins. Yes. Right. No because, because if you, if you and go to school, you actually, and again, if you're ever learning to make muffins, you actually need to follow the recipe at first because you never know how to do it. So when you're at school, you actually need to know, you need to know the recipe, but, but when you get out to the, to the general public, not everybody likes plain muffins. Some people like blueberry muffins and some people like these kind of muffins. And then you learn and you can, you, you have, have that as a framework. And this would be like the one legged one part of the stool. And then the better cook you get, you can kind of, you know, you can put a dash of salt or a dash of whatever, and you kind of got it all figured out. And then people like different things. And so you have to be able to adapt to it. So, so that's always our big thing is that and even though we'd like to, cause it's easier, um, we're not making muffins. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And also what, uh, what I think uh, we need to realize is from a, a younger practitioner perspective or a student perspective, think about their whole lives up until the point where they've graduated from chiropractic college. It's all been recipe, right? So it's all been go to school, learn the subject, regurgitate it on the test and you get a good mark and you're on to the next thing. Okay. And that has been the, it, that was certainly Mike, I'm, I'm sure it's everybody's story. Oh, totally. You know, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, you're, you've, you've done that your whole life and you get out into practice and there's, there's openness. All of a sudden it's like, well, how are you going to run your practice? Uh, what, how are you going to deal with the, the different variables and the different personalities that come into your practice and all, all that stuff you were just talking about? You know, it's so funny. And we just talked about, I talked about this uh, with Dr. Dave Hansen a few podcasts before, but just implementing like heart rate variability, for example, in your practice. And, and yeah. so if you come, if you see a practice member that comes in as a tanked HRV, their adrenals are burnt, all that kind of stuff, or someone who isn't stressed that ha has a really good HRV, chiropractic care is, is going to be like totally two different things. They're going to totally respond at totally two different rates. And I think that's the challenge with those guidelines is like, here, you got two practice members. Um, and they are not going to respond the same to chiropractic care. And we already know that now, but that's just history been in practice for 20 some years. Um, yeah. But that's the thing that, that the, the young, the young ones don't know yet. And then they get frustrated because they see they, they do their six visits on the, on the, we call it healing archetype four in our program, the ship. Um, but someone with a, with a crazy high stress response and they're burnt right out. And then they go chiropractic didn't work. And you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, that's you're you're bang on with that. I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's silly to think that we can control for every variable that affects uh, the patient's response to our care. Uh, and because uh, their histories are so different uh, for every person. And, and uh, there's so many factors that influence health that uh, you, you cannot begin uh, to expect that it's all going to be uh, a cookie cutter recipe uh, for each person. But again, that's just, you know, 
that's just not respecting uh, the intelligence of the body and and the, the how the body works i mean you just it, it, if you just go back to the principles of how the body works you'll you'll immediately realize that okay i i need to work with the body and do the best i can but it's not going to be the same for each person and to and and by the way it's in the best interest of the public to know okay. that Okay. And if you don't do that and you know that, that's actually unethical for the public. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a point that I've made several times is that I said, if you, if you feel that there might be factors that would, for instance, uh, uh, make it so that their, their care plan might be longer uh, than, than what you'd normally recommend for, for somebody else with the same issue, yeah. um, it's your responsibility to say that to them, even though you might be scared that they might say, oh, that's, uh, that's too much or that's excessive. And, uh, and uh, you know, yep. uh, I only have uh, X amount of dollars in insurance coverage and blah, blah, blah. You have to be a doctor. You have to say that, you know, here's what I found and, and you can't be scared of the response there. Totally. Cool. Well, I, I want to get to the one last thing here because we could sure. talk about politics and I think till the end of the world and then I'd, I'd have to go for a run after again. to. <laughs> that's self-care too though, right? We wanted to be Talk a little bit about self-care. I want to, just before we get to the next thing, um, you got a little bit burnt out with all this stuff and, and what have you done to kind of keep on track? Yeah. Yeah. No, I got to go to the gym and, and put the heavy weights on. <laughs> <laughs> just pound out the, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's it for me, man. I got, you know, I got to, uh, you know, uh, and I have, you know, I have four little kids and, and, uh, you know, playing around with them for an afternoon in the yard on the weekend, uh, yeah. that gets rid of a lot of stress too. That's cool. Yeah, you so know, so so that stuff. But yeah, you got you got to you got to distance yourself sometimes. Uh, you know, on this stuff, and uh, you know, uh, I I love chiropractic. It's my life. You know, just you know, but but it's you know, sometimes you just got to step back and say, okay, you know, I I need to do this because it, it doesn't help anybody if I'm feeling exhausted or burnt out and and, uh, and get apathetic towards it. Totally, that's great. Um, now talk a little bit about your the the company. Um wellness media that you developed and how did that come around? Yeah. So, um, the idea for wellness media just came from my own, uh, experiences in practice more so after I shifted, uh, into, uh, you know, what you'd call, I guess, more of a salutogenic model or a health producing model of chiropractic. And, uh, you know, I just found that the support material in my office and it, it just didn't convey the messages that I was, uh, conveying to patients. And, uh, you know, I just renovated a, a brand new office and it was beautiful. And I'm looking at all the support material I had around my office. And, you know, I was just like, man, this stuff, like it's, it's kind of outdated. And, and, uh, you know, the, the content wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. And, uh, you know, the design was, it was kind of older looking. And I said, okay, I said, uh, you know, I really think that I could do better with this. And, uh, my brother-in-law, uh, uh, Darren Hubley, he's uh, my partner in wellness media, but you know, his background is a professional photographer and a graphic designer. So he was doing all the stuff for my office anyway. Cool. And uh, so I brought it up to him and I said, you know, I said, I got to improve on this stuff here because I don't want to give this out to patients, right? As support material. Yeah. Um, so then he said, well, could we do this for the profession? And I said, well, I think we should do this for the profession. And uh, it was, it was timely because, you know, uh, both of us had young families at the time and, you know, we were constantly considering the choices we were making for our children. And, uh, you know, Darren, uh, you know, had been making some bigger lifestyle changes in his life. And, you know, he's a strong chiropractic patient. And uh, we just said, okay, we, we got to start doing this because we've talked about it for long enough. So we spent basically 
the next uh, year and a half in nonstop production every day, whenever we could uh, amongst our other businesses, uh, because he still had his you know, design company uh, and uh, I still obviously full-time practice. So um, we spent a, a good year and a half producing an initial run and uh, uh, we launched in February of 2014. And uh, uh, the feedback has been tremendous and, and we've been growing ever since. It's been five years since we launched. I can't even believe it, but uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been great and, and it allows us to uh, speak with so many other chiropractors, which I love because inevitably we also get into conversations about, uh, you know, similar to what we're having today. Yeah, totally with politics and all that stuff. So like how, how give somebody a tip, you know, some, like our biggest thing is, you know, I hear people say, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. And, uh, and, and here you got to practice, you have four kids, you have wellness media, you have politics, you have all this stuff. How do you, how do you balance all that? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I should tell you that, you know, I guess uh, I would uh, be what you, some people might uh, label a type A personality. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, I mean, I love pushing myself and I love being busy about the stuff I'm, I'm passionate about. Uh, again, I just have this compelling urge to do what I think is right over what's convenient. Um, right. And so that pushes me. Uh, however, you know, if there's a fault to that, it is, you know, sometimes I maybe take on a bit uh, too much, but uh, you know, uh, when you're excited, uh, you know, and you're driven to do all this stuff, uh, it doesn't feel like work and you just, you know, you're excited to, to, to go in and produce every day. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also like, I get teased cause you know, like I'm bored. And so I, I'm going to use this label, but I don't like labels. But, uh, like I get teased, like, you know, Darren does it all the time to me. Uh, cause you should see my desk like at work, uh, versus his. Cause we have like at our wellness media office, we have desks next to each other. Right. And, He's like a type, he's a creative guy and he's like a type, he's, you know, he's a designer and he's a, you know, he's creative. And, uh, and so he's like the opposite of me, which, which makes us work really well together. Um, but my desk, like everything is like in really good order. So he teases me and, you know, the, the OCD <laughs> label gets uh, <laughs> thrown around sometimes. And it's not just him, like other people say that, yeah. uh, some of my tendencies and, and, uh, you know, but with my daily schedule, like I just couldn't imagine uh, operating in, in any other way. So I'm hyper organized uh, with, totally. with some of that stuff because I don't want to waste any time. Uh, you know, I, I want to just get on with the stuff that I find valuable. So I, I try and uh, be as organized as possible with some of the ongoing stuff in the background to just take care of it uh, so that I can focus as much time as possible uh, on the stuff that uh, I really want to spend time on. That's great. That's all priorities. Cool. Well, getting to the end of the podcast, I always like to end the podcast with uh, just having our guests give your final words of wisdom uh, that you'd like to share with the chiropractors around the world. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess just a couple of things. I mean, you know, from my own experience, just number one, I guess would be be open to change. Um, You know, uh, when something's not going right and you feel it deep down, stop justifying. I mean, you know, it may be hard pill to swallow sometimes, uh, Mm -hmm. but just admit that maybe you have some congruencies uh, be humble and 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 take advice. And it wasn't until I started listening with a real open mind that things shift things shifted for me and changed around. And I realized that there were I didn't know what all the answers were, but I had to make a change. And and the way I was operating wasn't my best self. And uh, you know I wasn't giving to my community the best way I could. And uh, it was only because I was willing to now open up and listen. It was there the whole time. But it was only because I was able to open up and listen. And uh, yeah, and the other thing uh, is just, you know, 
do what's right over what's convenient. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I mean, there, there's so many examples in any, any part of your life where it comes into your family life or, or, you know, your interactions with patients, or if you're involved in politics, it's like, sometimes you just want to do what's easy and what's convenient. Uh, you don't always want to go through the muck and, and, and get into all the roadblocks and all that kind of stuff or have the hard conversations, but you have to, because, right. you know, ultimately uh, on the other side, you're going to be happy that you did it. Yeah. You never look back saying, Oh, I shouldn't have done what was right. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And ultimately you need to live with yourself and the decisions you make. And if, if somebody else disagrees with you, then that's fine. I can live with that. Uh, but I can't live with being inauthentic. That's great. All right, Chad. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your, your busy schedule um, to come in on the podcast. Yeah, Don. Thanks a lot. It was a, a pleasure being on and uh, appreciate you doing this for chiropractic. That's my pleasure. So everybody out there, I wrote down three things that you should all do. And I shouldn't, you should on you guys, but uh, <laughs> I would highly recommend get, get organized. Listen, to, let's see how much uh, Chad can do because he's organized. Most people I know get lots of stuff. They're pretty organized. Get involved, right? Anyhow, get involved with any organization or anything that's specially aligned with your values and, uh, and do what's right over doing what's convenient so you can get out there and crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.